Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so so thrilled that you're joining us for our incredible summer series, How'd She Do That? We know that you guys are loving it because we've been hearing from you and all the incredible women that we have been able to have on this podcast for summer. It's been remarkable. And you know why we've needed this is because we are both sweating to death, which Tiffany normally doesn't have to experience. But, you know, in the summer of California where we live, it's between, I don't know, 100 and 113, like, all the time. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not a blessing. But now so Tiffany trash. is having to deal oh, no. with this. So what's Y'all, going it's on in the Northwest? It's 111 here today. It's 111. Now, you have to understand, we are not used to this kind of disgusting heat, which mm-hmm. some of you guys like this, and I don't know what to do with you people. You're weird. I You're a lizard. You don't know what to do. You're a literal lizard. Lizard. Mm-hmm. Lizard. You're mm-hmm. cold-blooded. you a lizard. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you rolling on your belly. Up mm-hmm. and, no, I'm joking. Um mm-hmm. Scaring the kids. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, but y'all, the garbage quit today. The garbage. They're not even going to come pick up your garbage because it's too hot. And they don't want the garbage men to, to overheat. See? Yeah. It's not It's not great. It's not they great. don't do that in California. They're like, no, everything still runs fine in the summer. Just wear a tank top. Wear a tank top. Get yourself that little spray fan from the dollar store and you're going to be good to go. Yes. No, I... I um I can't do this. My husband is so funny. This morning it was like 79 at 6 a.m. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, okay, this is not horrible. It was a little humid, which, again, we're not used to. But I'm mm-hmm. like, I can do this. I can do this. I'm just like constantly trying to push out a positive attitude. And he's like, this is unlivable. I'm like, dude, it is not even 80 degrees. We are going to make it. We're going to make Get yourself some talcum powder. We're going to make it. <laughs> it's so rough. I mean, I sat out this morning to answer some Mentor Monday questions on the Instagram today. And mm. honestly, I think I got a sunburn. And I was out there for possibly 10 minutes. Like, that's how hot it is at like 8 o'clock in the morning. So your husband is right. It is unlivable. And a positive attitude shall not be had in my household. You so, know what, though? I'm Here's sorry. the thing. I'm so afraid. So uh, uh, listeners, you know, my youngest is mixed. I'm Indian. I've had a sunburn once in my life. I was in San Diego on my second anniversary, walking and walking along the beach, and I'm like, "This is." I said, "Derek, my back is a little itchy," and he's like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "I don't know. It feels so weird." And I touch it. I'm like, "Oh, it it hurts to the touch. Like, what is this? I think I got like a a disease or something, some sort of tropical tropical disease." And he's like, "That that's a sunburn." I'm like, "This is what you people go through. This is awful." Anyway, all that to say, my youngest son, I'm so afraid he's gonna get burned. I make him wear those like long sleeved rash guards in the summer all summer because i'm so afraid i don't know how to do it i don't know how i don't know i don't know i'm just so afraid he's gonna get burned it's rough it's rough rough. yeah our kids definitely have to swim in the long sleeve shirts for sure but we don't make them wear them out just like on a regular basis tiffany 100 percent. i do (laughs) (laughs) that poor child he's like sweating from head to toe And he has, you guys, y'all know he's got like a mop of a head. He's got big curls. Totally. And I purposely let it go long so it'll cover his neck oh so his neck won't gosh. burn. Oh, my gosh. Poor thing. That's like wearing a blanket on your head. That's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Well, he has kind of pointy ears. It's the curse from me. I don't know. So I try to keep it a little shaggy over the years because he noticed. He's like, mm, I have pointy ears. I'm like, you know what? This is God's gift. It's so God's cute. Gift. It's he's yeah. adorable. 
But his hair is so thick to the point it that you can is, just touch yeah. it and it's just like sweating. Like right, everywhere. which is why you need to get it off that sweet boy's neck and just put some sunscreen on him, girl. I know. Quit making him sweat so bad. You I know. I sunscreen bun. him. I do put it in a bun when we're going to swim. Good. I bun it up. But he's because wet, he won't so be able to see. Exactly he won't be, be able to see. He's like that he's shaggy swimming. dog. He's like that shaggy dog <laughs> or that that one cow in Ferdinand where the hair goes over the eyes and he has to blow him out of the air so we can see. Oh my gosh. It's, it's out of, of control. You anyway, all right. Okay, it's so too listen. Hot. It's too hot. We had to complain about the heat for the first couple of minutes because we need you guys to know what we're all dealing with across the nation, but especially on the West Coast where they keep telling us about fires and climate change and all the things. Burn and so, die. And we're terrified. You know, exactly. I'm 2050. Not scared, I see you Mm-mm. coming. No, I'm not scared. We're going to be fine. You're not scared. No. You're not. Oh, I have nightly anxiety about the no way girl it was 128 on the on the air quality last Mm, summer you couldn't go outside you couldn't breathe Mm. yeah no i'm not scared i don't know why but um maybe because i read dystopian as my life you know like i love handmaid's tale it's all the books i read yeah we had we had fires like a couple of blocks from my house you could hear the helicopters and i was still like it's okay everything's fine I, I can handle everything but the smoke. It was the smoke. That, the smoke that is sunk bad. I agree. It sunk it's really bad. Yeah. I understand. It is, it is bad. <laughs> okay, <Sorry>. now, guys, <laughs> we have a very special guest for you today. And her name is Taylor. And I first got connected with Taylor over Twitter, which seems to happen to me a lot. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. But I just absolutely fell in love with her life, with her message. She has this incredible story. She is so sassy and fun on Twitter. She's a writer. She's an activist. And her work has appeared in places like Sojourners and Fathom Magazine. And she's a contributor to a book called If I Don't Make It, I Love You, Survivors in the Aftermath of School Shootings. She is such an incredible human. And it is our joy, our literal joy, and pleasure to welcome Taylor to the Why Though podcast. So hey, say hi to the people and hi. tell them a little bit beyond the bio. And also if you're sweating to death in Charleston where you live. <clears throat> yes, I am always sweating to death in Charleston. It is hot here all the time. So you all have my sympathies. Um, you have it crazy though, girl, because you got that humidity. humidity. Right. That's different. Yeah, I, yeah. I think yesterday, it feels like you're walking into a wall. Like yesterday, I think it was like 80 percent humidity or something oh, it's crazy. nope um so yeah so i i feel you but we do we're more prepared here for it right <laughs> you know your garbage didn't shut down no our garbage did come today okay, it did come today go. so the the garbage uh people have acclimated to the climate in Charles. <laughs> that's good that's good um, garbage people that's good <laughs> um but yeah so i'm taylor and yeah i live in charleston south carolina um I have one son. His name is Henry. He's almost three. And we have two dogs. Um, And yeah, my husband is here. He's a pharmacist. And yeah, we just enjoy our our quiet little life here in Charleston. How long have you lived in Charleston? Just about two years. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. um, My husband matched here for his residency program. And so we just kind of moved here we'd never been before um and we loved it so much we stayed so oh that's great mm-hmm. yeah so this, this is where Such you're planning to put down some roots yeah we bought a house about a year ago mm. and um yeah we've got a great church here and great community and yeah we just really love it mm. oh yeah. i love that i love that and tell me about because y'all know I'm a foodie and I talk about food so much. But t- 
Tell us about your favorite place to eat in Charleston because just we talked about the heat. These people need something. They they need a nugget. They need okay. something wonderful. Okay, so there's a restaurant um, in Charleston. It's downtown, right on the water. It's the only restaurant on the water downtown, um, and it has its own parking lot, which if you've ever been to Charleston, you know is a very important uh, oh, piece it? of the puzzle, mm-hmm. um, oh. but it's called Fleet Landing, and it's in mm-hmm. like an old um, Navy building that was used as a port, um, but they have on the menu something it's like uh shrimp and crab stuffed hush puppies Ooh, yes, come on and now it's on the, the list of like like 30 things you have to eat while you're in charleston or something it's like always number one um but they're like the size of a baseball they're huge oh. and um <laughs> wow. yeah they're amazing so if you come here you have to go there and and get the the stuffed hush puppies Oh my gosh, I mean, puppies are my favorite thing. And we went down there um, with my husband for his birthday, just did a little trip. And the other restaurant that I love is Husk. And we could not yeah. get a reservation to save yes. our life, but we ended up sitting at the bar. They happen to have like two seats open. Oh, perfect. And we're able to get in there and sit. But gosh, I mean, that, I want to try that one next time we come. It's so good. You, I yes. mean, you have the best restaurants, the best awesome. coffee. Oh, and the biscuits. I want oh. you to know that my best <laughs> friend who lives in Charleston mails me Callie's biscuits a couple oh times my gosh. a year just to eat and it's it's a blessing like it is oh. such a blessing that's amazing <laughs> i love it it's awesome oh my goodness pop mm. some of those hush puppies get a digestive <laughs> enzyme mm-hmm. you are set to go yeah that's <laughs> oh, right. that sounds good Heaven. that sounds real so good. real real good now taylor you have a book coming out that embodies so much of your experience of what you've gone through would you share a little bit yeah. about that Yeah, so my book is coming out um, in July, on July 20th, and it's called When Thoughts and Prayers Aren't Enough, Um, and it's, uh, yeah, about my experience as a school shooting survivor. Um, In 2013, I was working at a community college in southwest Virginia um, when a student came to school with a shotgun, and Mm -hmm. I uh, was one of of two people that were shot, and we both survived, um, thankfully. And so my book um, kind of details what it was like to survive a shooting and then more specifically what it's like to kind of live as a, a survivor of gun violence in America. Um, hmm. You know, the, the first part of the book is, is sort of memoir. Um, and, and I talk about a lot of the things that I went through, how my life changed and, and what that was like and try to paint um, an honest picture of you know, suffering and grief and uh, lament and there's some anger and bitterness in there too. Yeah. We're going to like keep it real in, in yeah. that part of the book. And um, and we're going to talk about God and and how our faith impacts um, how we, we see guns in America. And, and the second book or the second part of the book is kind of an overview of the types of gun violence that, that we see here and um, ways that that we can reduce um, the suffering um, at the hands of of guns in our country and and sort of a a new way that Christians can look at this this topic and and figure out where they can uh, find themselves in in the um, journey to to reduce gun violence. Mm. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, you know, next week, 
is the 4th of July here in America. And Mm. it's so interesting to think about, you know, our relationship with guns here. And how have you kind of navigated that? Because you have a personal story connected to that, but then there's also a lot of divisive political rhetoric around guns in America. And so how do you navigate that? What are, what's your word of wisdom to us as, in learning more about this issue and trying to understand this issue? Yeah, I think that one thing that I, I try to keep at the forefront of my mind is that it's not about winning arguments. Right. It's about actually like having conversations and listening to one another. And that's sort of a good filter for me when I am maybe deciding whether or not I'm going to engage in a conversation with someone like am I going into this conversation trying to win an argument or am I trying to actually share what I believe and why I believe it and am I willing to listen to the other person do that as well because the the sort of winning losing argument there's no fruit there Right? right, like we can right. win an argument and have done nothing um, worth any of our time. It's not right. about that, and and that kind of takes the pressure off as well to say, hey, my conversations are not, you know, like ending gun violence is not, <laughs> um, you know, hinging on whether or not I win this debate. Like, right. there's, you know, I'm just trying to be faithful and and talk to people, and um, and then the other thing I I try to tell people is to go into the conversation if you, um, assuming the best about the other person. Right. If you can't Ooh, do that's that. That's hard, girl. That's, that's hard. It is. And I like to say <laughs> that they have to earn that with right. me during the conversation. You know, I don't continue the conversation always feeling that way. Right. Um, but but I, I try to start start from that, that point, assuming that maybe we both want to see less fewer people die we want to see less suffering and maybe we see how to get there differently but if we can assume the best about one another then that's a good place to start and if we can't do that maybe we shouldn't be having that conversation right Mm, that's good i i think the thing that i was taken by is how much you boil this down to what does it look like to advocate for the common good what does it look like to see this through the lens of a believer, not just as a citizen of America? Can you expand on that? Yeah, I think that what we're seeing now, and I, th- I think we've sort of lived through this during the pandemic as well. Um, we, we've started to see how instead of first viewing things primarily uh, through our lens of faith as believers, we've started primarily looking at things through the lens of um, as an American. Mm -hmm. So we're first saying, well, I'm an American, so this is my right. And then how does that work with my faith versus I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm part of his kingdom. And that's my first identity. And what does that have to say about whether or not I exercise rights that are available to me as an American? Um, you know, mm-hmm. am I, is this something that's really good for me as a follower of Jesus? Not something, is this good for me as an American? Um, and I think we've seen that play out in, in a lot of ways, um, during the pandemic, kind of exploring yeah. these topics of, of personal rights, personal freedom versus the collective good and, and what it looks like to examine our roles in each of those ways. But I mean, I think what really what it boils down to is, 
which identity are we considering our primary identity? Is it ours as an American or as a believer of Jesus? Because Mm. if we have that switched, that's where we start seeing, seeing a lot of problems. Right. You know, it feels so challenging to me about this is that there are, and I think about this in some of the work that I do too, because, you know, we all approach God so differently and we all believe what God approves or doesn't approve of, uh, of according to us is the right thing. And so I think that some folks would, would say me being a Christian is me valuing gun rights and is me being able to have, you know, um, to not want excessive background checks or excessive, you know, because most reasonable gun owners I know, and I have several in my family who, um, you know, they, they are not anti more stringent background checks and they Mm -hmm. are not anti, you know, regular people not having access to things like assault rifles. So when I get down like one-on-one with people, they seem to be more reasonable than they are maybe on the Facebook or the interwebs. But I have met people who, you know, they they believe that according to God, this is a value and a right that God gives them. So do you just mm-hmm. choose to not engage with them? Or is there like, what? who are you <laughs> having conversations with about this issue? And, you know, what kind of makes sense for us moving forward and valuing and caring about this? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I do have conversations with those kinds of people. Um, not as often because I typically don't see a lot of common ground found because we're both very strong in in our stance where where we you know how we believe that we've come by this right to bear arms but I think that the first thing I I really like to talk about is well if you believe that this is a god-given right to to bear arms to defend yourself to defend your family however you're kind of interpreting that right. what fruit do you see from that that is building up the kingdom mm, or right. serving your community mm. and maybe they'll say well i am ready to defend my family save my family or i'm ready to, to defend my neighbor and i think that is a a valid thing that they, that they feel mm-hmm. um it is, and and if they are being thoughtful about that, and and have an answer that they really believe in, I come away from that conversation. That's a win to me, yeah. because my goal isn't always to change everyone's mind. Right. Um, the goal here is to enter into a more thoughtful way of evaluating what we think about guns as believers, because for so many people. You might grow up a certain way and and your family has believed something and you just grow up in a culture and you might not really have ever thought about it because it just was. And um, and so then when I'm asking questions and I'm I'm kind of tossing out new ideas, those can be hard to think about. But if someone can engage in that in like a thoughtful way and come away with all the same opinions and all the same beliefs. That's important to me. I mm-hmm. th- I consider that a win just as much as I would, you know, someone saying, oh, wow, I, I never thought about that. I totally agree. Or, you know, whatever it might be. Those are equally valid conversations to me. Um, but, yeah, I think just starting there with, like, well, how do you see this as fruitful for the kingdom? Or how do you see this as, as benefiting people? Um, you know, do you have thoughts about that? And, mm-hmm. and then we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like I wish we could all just understand this issue better because I think most people are not thinking about it 
and mm-hmm. until they have to, you know, until it mm-hmm. shows up on a Facebook post or we yes. see, yeah. you know, a mass shooting or, you know, we ourselves or someone we love experiences gun violence. So was this something you were passionate about prior to the shooting where you, that you survived or is this something that you became passionate about afterward? Yeah, definitely after, um, you know, growing up, I grew up in rural Southwest Virginia and, um, my family didn't have guns until I was older. Um, but you know, most people around us did and hunting is, is a thing. And, um, so I, I kind of grew up in this sort of conservative mindset, you know, the typical like God guns and freedom or whatever it might be, you know, that kind of, um, existence. And, um, you know, I, I grew up about 30 minutes away from Virginia tech and that's where I went to college. And so that shooting happened there when I was, um, 17 and so I'd kind of seen that happen nearby and saw how terrible it was and the devastation. But then I didn't really have to think about it anymore because it didn't really affect me. Um, I definitely wasn't aware of, you know, kind of the everyday gun violence that was impacting my local community in the, the bigger city that I, I lived near. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have to think about it. And so I, I was able to kind of continue on without really asking myself many questions and um kind of followed along the narrative that it was you know problems with mental health or you know whatever the the topic was at the time and and even after I was shot I still kind of stayed in that area I was still pro second amendment pro pro gun um and then as time went on I realized like shootings just kept happening Mm. and I was constantly seeing that I was constantly having to think about all the people that were now living what I had lived and thinking about what they were going to have to experience and during this time like God was just totally revealing himself to me in new ways Mm. like my life had been pretty easy not that I hadn't been through hard things but no sort of world altering events and so the god that i was familiar with was kind of the god of good circumstances and Mm. i was doing all the right things and everything was fine and you know and then all of a sudden i was very familiar with this god uh who is near us in our suffering and who's near to the brokenhearted and Um, binds up our wounds and instructs us us to care for the marginalized and the widow and the orphan and and um and experiencing this god in a new way and as i watched more gun violence take place and more shootings i i couldn't reconcile those two things anymore Mm. um i i couldn't figure out how to to be following this god and still being so pro-gun, pro, so pro-Second Amendment, it, just, it didn't fit anymore. And that's when I really started to read anything I could, study the research, um, analyze what I was seeing, and, and figure out, hey, I think I need to reevaluate some things. And I think I'm changing my mind, and mm. I'm learning new things. And, and yeah, that really set me down the path of, of what I do now. One of the things I loved that you've given us just questions to ask ourselves 
of how do I believe this is affecting me, the way I see the world, the way I see other people, the way I operate in community, the way I support others in my community. I feel like you've, I mean, we're, we, y'all, we can't sit idly by. This is something that is affecting all of us, whether we want to admit it or not. And Taylor has put in 50,000 words, a perfect (laughs) way for us to have this first person narrative understanding of someone's experience, but also wrestling with the statistics and having more knowledge of why this happens, how this happens, how this affects all of us. Um, You know, I was thinking to myself as you were chatting, you have not taken on an easy, um, (laughs) an easy issue in the Christian community. Um, Neither has Ashley, neither have I. We've taken, you know, with some of our banner issues that we talk about are are not ones that are warm, fuzzy, encouraging, but they're ones that cause us to think and require personal sacrifice that require the renewing of the mind mm-hmm. and require a kingdom shift within us that has an exterior change and action to it. So I just, um, as our, as we ask ourselves those questions, what are some other questions we can be asking ourselves as we reorient ourselves to have a greater understanding and expansive knowledge um, of this issue? Yeah, I think that um, one thing that I, I always encourage people to do is, is really find out um, what kinds of gun violence are affecting their local communities. Um, things like what I went through, like a school shooting or a mass shooting, these kind of come up on the news a lot and, and we see them. But really, the what's really tearing apart our communities is kind of everyday gun violence, firearm suicide and domestic violence shootings and, um, you know, kind of the cycles of violence we see in underserved areas. Um, so just decide you're not going to look away. Just decide yeah. to find out. Um, when you see a shooting on the news, hear about it. Listen to listen to the report. Um, just decide to pay attention. I think once you make that choice, it's harder to ignore. You know, I always say it's like when I was 16 and got my driver's license, I really wanted a Volkswagen Jetta. And so anywhere I went, you know, I would see like so many Volkswagen Jetta's. Right. I was like, it's a sign, right. it's a sign. And it wasn't a sign. It was just, I was looking for them because yep. I wanted one. And, you know, so once we, once we take note and we decide to pay attention, you know, we, we kind of have to, to decide to, um, to bear witness to that. And yeah. Um, and yeah, and kind of like what you're saying, I think we have to ask ourselves, like, what might it cost me to care about this? Yeah. What might that look like? Maybe it's, you know, posting a, a Facebook post that makes you a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit nervous. Um, or maybe it's, um, you know, standing up for what you believe in in a family conversation where you can say, hey, you know, I don't know about that. What about what about this? Can I can I offer this this way of thinking? Um, and even things like I tell parents, you know, when you send your kids to someone's house, asking the parents, hey, oh, do you yeah. all keep guns in the home? And right. um, if so, are they are they locked safely away? Because that's you huge. Know, every day about eight kids in America will will be injured or killed in an unintentional shooting. Where a gun hey, did was, you say eight kids, Taylor? Yeah. A eight. day or a week? A day. Oh, oh my God. gosh. Y'all, we can't look away. Just what Taylor said. Just yeah. what Taylor said, and I, I'm sure this is deep within your book, but um, considering how y- the generations above you and your family has had maybe even unsaid beliefs mm-hmm. about guns, I think 
for some of us, we never had those conversations with our parents, but they were, Im, there's these implicit beliefs of we do this and, and maybe it wasn't overtly God, guns, and freedom, but there was <laughs> that implicit belief of God's guns and freedom. And so really asking ourselves, where did I, from, from my beginning place of what I do believe about guns, where did that come from? Yeah. How did I arrive here? And uh, I think... I mean, again, knowledge is power, and you have more than given us so much even in just this time together. And um, again, July 20th, when thoughts and prayers aren't enough, a shooting survivor's journey into the realities of gun violence. Taylor, I, I know I said this at the beginning, but you have a message for the church that is so necessary, yes. a message that cannot be ignored, and not an easy one, not right. an easy one, not one that really you picked per se, if that's fair yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, but here you are, and we just stand, we just stand in awe of who you are, and we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your education. We're thankful for your voice. And we are honored that our listeners get to sit at your feet today all over the world, not all in America, but all over the world, um, and learn from you. So again, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, we cannot wait to have you back next week. This series has just proven so fruitful. And continue to offer questions and and share your feedback with us. And we can't wait to share uh, more with you in the coming weeks. There's so much good stuff. And Taylor, where can folks find you? Yeah, they can find me um, on Twitter. I'm Taylor S. Schumann there. And I'm on Instagram at Taylor Schumann Writes. Um, and yeah, in those spaces quite a bit. And you're awesome. amazing. We're so grateful that you took the time to be with us today. Y'all better get her book, Stop Playing Games. Stop <laughs> playing them games. Stop playing them games. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.